Welcome to St. Joseph Radio Presents. Today's program is the duty of manhood. What's man supposed to do? Well, man is supposed to lead a balanced life, balancing faith, family, and career in such a way that he is always mindful that the Lord is first, his family is second, and he's third. And do it with passion. If it's hard, do it anyway. That's what we do as men, right? Exactly. Watch. Welcome to the St. Joseph Radio Presents live program broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world, where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs, we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. Well, thank you, Matt. I am your host today, Peter Karutz, and this is St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. We are live in studio with one of our Catholic Men of the Year, Mark Serafino. Mark, welcome. Well, thank you, Peter. Welcome. So good of you to come. And today's program is called The Duty of Manhood. Yes, sir. Yeah, well... Is, is there a reason for that, that we all know what our duties are? Yes, actually, we do. But then, all right, so that's the end of the program. We'll, we'll move on from here. Yeah, look, maybe we do, maybe we don't. Maybe the world is trying to change what, what, our, uh, what our duties are. Perhaps. I think um, I'm more in line with the thinking that uh, Pope St. John Paul II gave us a clear, clear call uh, when he said that... Um, God has assigned to every man the, dig- the dignity of every woman. He assigned that as a duty yeah, to every man. Yeah. So um, we know what our duty is. It's the dignity of every woman. Yeah. And that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah. Hey, that, that's great. I got to tell you about a time I was over at a protest. Uh, it was a protest against a women's resource center. And it was all, but with all of these great, and I will say crazy, crazy pro-choicers and me. And we're going to talk about that because it is uh, right on point with you, what you're doing. But what we always say is that we start out with a prayer, and, and I've, uh, I've asked you if you wouldn't mind sure. leading us off, please. Well, it's Mother's Day weekend. It is. In, in honor of our, all of our mutual mother in heaven. That's right. Let's say a Hail Mary. That's it. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord, Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. You know, I, I say the rosary with a bunch of folks at different times, different places, different organizations. And if I'm leading a decade at, at, on the eighth Hail Mary, I always change it just a little bit. Really? Uh, so when uh, uh, we know in Scripture, when there's a profound change in one's life, or there, uh, there, there's a change in name, 
Abram to That's Abraham, right. you know, Sarah. Yes. We have Simon to Peter, right? Mm-hmm. But when the angel came, if we look it up in Scripture, it didn't say, Hail Mary. The angel did not say, Hail Mary. It said, Hail, full of, of grace. grace. It talked about what she is, what she is at her essence. She is full of grace. Thank you, Mark. So first off, let's get to you know you just a little better. Sure. I mentioned that you were uh, one of the Catholic men of the year, I think from St. Francis. St. Francis de Sales Oratory. Sales. There you go. Oratory. Why is it an oratory? Well, an oratory, I'm certainly not the, the uh, best equipped to explain it, but it's a, a parish sped up, set up specially uh, where people from all around the diocese can come and belong and in this case, this parish is dedicated strictly to the extraordinary form of the Mass. So there you go. the church and the archbishop makes that available to everyone. Yeah, and it's great. Look, I, I, I have to tell you, my men's group first uh, decided that we would take a field trip on the first Saturday of the month. And we started going to St. Ansel- uh, Gregory and Augustine over at St. Anselm for the Latin Mass. And I am old enough to remember the Latin Mass, but honestly, I don't remember the Latin Mass. So when I went there, it was like for the first time. And it was, I'm using the same word, it was extraordinary. It really was. So if you haven't been, think about it, go and see it, go and experience it. It, 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 I thought it would be the most impersonal thing in the world. It was the most personal thing. Thing in the it was the most edifying. You know, the priest isn't talking to me, and he isn't at mass. But we were all facing the same direction. We were all praying in the same direction, and the sense of reverence was different. So, the Oratory Absolutely. of Saint Francis de Sales. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, great, great. So, tell me, are you married? Are you have children? Married. My wife Valerie and I have five children. Oh my goodness, yeah. five grandchildren. Wow. And um, we we are very very blessed. Yeah. Very lucky. Yeah. Where'd you go to high school? Good old Nutley High School. What Nutley? Where's Nutley? Nutley, New Jersey. Ah, not St. Louis, huh? That's right. You've learned. <laughs> yes, I have. Yes, I have. And uh, my wife and I met in New Jersey, married in New Jersey, and we moved to St. Louis right at the end of 1995, really for my work. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And this is home. You know, we, we've gone back to New Jersey many, many times to visit, and it's a nice place to visit. It's certainly a place rich in memory for both of us, but... Missouri and St. Louis is our home. I moved here in 87. It's my home now, too. So let me just tell you this one story, and then I'll let you kind of run with this. Uh, There's any number of great pregnancy resource centers here, you know, and I I have some Christian and even Catholic friends who will beat on me, and they'll say, you know, you're not pro-life. You're pro-birth, right? You don't care about anybody, and you know, unless... And it's such nonsense, right? Because people who are pro-life are... We, we are from the cradle to the grave, right? And we, we have great compassion for folks in difficult circumstances. And we're not like, uh, you know, what did our Lord say? You, you can't go tell somebody who is starving, uh, go and eat and be, be well. Or someone who's naked and say, you know, be well clothed, right? You don't do that. We don't do that. And we don't just help Catholics. We help people who are in need. Because we are Catholic. Anyway, one of those great organizations, you have Birthright, you have Thrive. So there was this huge protest in front of Thrive. And I, uh, it was kind of cool. And I had this big sweatshirt that had a huge cross on it. And there must have been 250 people out in front of here chanting and bullhorn and stuff. So I went over there in the middle of it. And I, I think, you know, if, if you're going to 
ask people to listen to you, you better go and listen to them. So we did, and we spoke, and uh, to say they were rude to me is an understatement, but I remember one particular point. I am really trying to find common ground, because there is common ground. Yes. Or at least there should be. And I said to this woman, I said, believe me, every time a woman uh, goes to have an abortion, there is a man at fault. Absolutely. And I think it's true. Yes. She looked at me a little odd. She looked at some of her compadres over there, and she started laughing. They all started laughing at me. And I didn't get it. I mean, it, it completely went over my head. I thought I had hit maybe the definitive common point, right? And she said, Peter, I, I, what I actually said, a man is at fault. The man did not love this woman enough, didn't care for her enough, didn't stay with her, didn't support her, right? It wasn't committed, right? Correct. Didn't love her enough. That's right. And, she, and they said to me, they looked me straight in the eye and continued laughing. They said, what makes you think there's any relationship between sex and love? Wow. And you know what? If we, had, if we men were better men, there would be less women seeking abortions. Well, sure. There would be fewer women seeking abortions. Uh, so many of the problems that we're confronted with today really revolve around the, the lack of manliness in a true manliness sense. The idea that um, we've seen in, in media for generations now that fathers are meaningless. Uh, not only are they meaningless, they're, they're oafs who have immature values, immature ideals. Uh, the television father. Yeah, he's a buffoon. That's a yeah. great word. The television father is, is um, a joke. He's the, he is the punchline in most of the shows. And mom and the children and all of the other women in the community are really the brains that make it, whatever it is, happen. And certainly there are countless brilliant women in the world. So it's not to say that women can't do that. But they build an idea that men shouldn't be a part of that kind of thinking or solution uh, finding. So that contributes greatly uh, when we add to that the, the national statistic of divorce that's now generations old where, you know, depending on what you read, and I'm not an expert, you'll, you know, 50% of all marriages end in divorce. Yeah. I, I don't think that's true. You don't? I, no. I, well, first off, you have to take a look at, break that down a little bit. First off, marriage is under attack, well, and, very, and fewer people are getting married, and if they are, they're getting married later. And uh, then uh, there's, it's being done for the wrong reason, too. The devil's attacking us on both ends. Sure. I remember I was in, uh, in London at one of my, uh, my company's uh, celebration for, I think it was 70 years or 75 years, and, and I'm meeting all kinds of people. What do you do? Hi, how are you? And, you say, well, and they say, yeah, I'm married, but I'm not religious. And I thought, well, that was odd right. until it happened the third time. People are getting married for the wrong reason, which means they're getting divorced. Yeah. So that 50% divorce rate are for first marriages. And well, if you start point. counting second and third, the divorce rate escalates. You have, you have the devil attacking marriage in, in, on all fronts. One, the meaning of marriage. 
you know, you can marry your dog now if you want. You can, uh, or your or your porpoise. There's a big article about a someone who just married their porpoise, and and and, and the the uh, lack of importance of marriage, commitment, well, forever. Uh, you bring up a great point. The the first marriage percentage is fifty percent, and you bring up an equally great point when you say that fewer people are getting married. But if if you would then look at the number of people who live together, right. And how many of those relationships break up yep. and dissolve? Sure. The number is staggering. It's staggering. So my purpose isn't really to discuss marriage. My purpose is to say when you have an epidemic that's rampant such as that, and you at the same time have a cultural attack saying that men are meaningless, they're they're not needed, what what it builds is a giant void in true manhood. So where does a young man today turn to for a role model, for someone who will literally put his arm around him and say, let me help you with this. Let me show you what life is like in the, in the sense of challenges. Um, today, what we expect from fathers is they're addicted to sports, they're addicted to toys, and we push them that way. Everything pushes people that way, the retail industry. And we need a call to men to say, no, we have to stop. It doesn't mean men can't like sports. It doesn't mean that they can't like golf or any other uh, attraction, but it means that they have to put those things in order with the order of life that they're living. So some years ago, I hate to tell you how many years ago, I read a book that was written by a very famous Chicago bear named Gail Sayers. Oh yeah, yeah. And the name of the book was I Am Third. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'll be honest, I bought the book because I thought it was going to tell me all about the great plays that Gail Sayers had been a part of and, you know, a look into the locker room and what it's like to be an NFL player. And really the book was, it was the precursor to the movie Brian's Song, which mm -hmm. told the story of he and Brian Piccolo, which is a tear-jerking story. Uh, the book was really somewhat faith-based. And as like a 10 or 12-year-old boy, that was a little disappointing because I was expecting sure. the NFL. Football. But he explained very early on in the book, why is the book called I Am Third? And he said that his, I believe it was his mother or grandmother told him, the Lord is first, my friends are second, and I am third. And he lived his life that way. And, and I think I would like to put out a challenge that says, let's change it a little bit, please, men, and say, the Lord is first, my family is second, and I am third. Yeah. And I think the crux of where we are is that we don't have any place in culture where men are being taught what it means to be third. What it means to be third doesn't mean relegated to the garage with your other buddies drinking beer. What it means to be third is to lift up your family and put their needs, both temporally and spiritually, ahead of you. That's it. All with a focus on number one, which is God. So yeah. I do this for God. And for God, I must, my duty is the dignity of every woman. And by the way, women, despite what some people may think, are the only place where children are born is through a woman. So by extension, I have that duty too to my children. Yeah. That's you got it. You got it. And, and you know what? I, you think about that. It, it seems a little, candidly, it sounds a little contrary to what most people think. But, but think of it this way. In, in endeavors that men generally pursue, you are usually 
always third or fourth or fifth if you're going to be successful, right? Correct. If you're working in a corporation and a business, you are working toward the good of the the, the whole, if you will. Yes. If you're on a team, you know, you have the sacrifice fly, right? You got yes. the bunt. You, you are working for others, right? And by working for others, by sacrificing yourself, you're doing good for all. So right. I, I have a great time messing with young men who are getting married or not so young men. And I'll, I'll challenge them. I'll say, are you ready to get married? Yeah, I'm ready to get married. I say, I, are you ready? I mean, are you tough? I'm tough. I say, I am going to ask you a couple of questions and you're going to be wrong. And each one of these, can you handle it? Yeah. So, well, look, you're about to get married. You're going to be wrong all the time. So I, you know, the fiance is there yeah. and I said, all right, Sam, who is the most important person in your life? And they smile. It's, it's Sally. And I said, wrong. <laughs> I said, when you're, when you're married and you have children, who will be the most important person? Oh, it'll be the children. I said, wrong. And I think what you touched on and what uh, uh, Gail Sayers probably did is when you get your priorities straight, everything else falls in line. So if the most important person in your life is God, you have properly oriented your life. What did the old catechism say? What is the purpose of life? To love and serve God in this world so we can be with him forever in the next. There you go, number one. Number two, when you get married, your spouse is the most important person in your life. And the most important reason to get married is get that other person to heaven. And when you have children... They are third. Yes. You're put, getting pushed down to maybe fourth. But how many people do you know who got married? And um, and I'm going to just remind everyone that this is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, uh, the Rome of the West. And uh, we're on with Mark Serafino, and my name's Peter Cruz. But how many people do you know who have been married for 20 years or 25 years and they're getting divorced? Why? Because they weren't focused on God. They focused on their children and forgot about their spouse. Absolutely. You get your priorities straight, and you are doing what's needed for the team. Sacrificing for yourself, sacrificing yourself for the team. Peter, it extends even into every everyday life, the idea of I am third. In, in my years, I was a, uh, a manager. Uh-huh. I taught, I would hire people and then teach managers how to manage. And one of the things I would often talk to them about is when you have to make a decision, especially a controversial or difficult decision. Um, My platform was you work for the company. The company has this ideal and this goal. You agree to it by being an employee of the company. Now we're about to execute something that might be uncomfortable. Maybe we're changing a policy or whatever might be going. And I would say to them, the idea is this. When you're making the decision for how to proceed, think this way. Is it good for the company? Is it good for the people that work for me, work in my group that report up to me? And if it's good for the company and it's good for the people, then I fall into place. But if I get that out of order, if I make the decision based on what I want or what, how I think it should go, I'm going to fail. And it's going to just not only damage me, it's going to damage all the people that report to me. And I think that same thing happens at home. If, if I put something before God in our family relationship, I'm putting us in a position to fail. Yep. There you are. There you are. Yeah. And, and you, you know, as a manager, I'm sure you felt it. I'm, I'm in a partner in my firm. And I, I, what do I think about sometimes? I think about all the families who, who, have, who are being supported by someone who, who is in my employee. Absolutely. I, 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 it, it, 
I'm sure it's a huge responsibility for them, but I think about that a lot. I mean, they need this job. I better do what I'm supposed to do so they can do what they're supposed to do. Right. And, and that's what we do. So before we c c carry on, I do want to just make sure that we're, we're pr putting the proper emphasis on the duty of manhood. Yes. And, and that is, I'll, I'll focus on women for a moment. Mothers, right? We were talking about Mother's Day. Look, we know that mothers are solid. You know, everyone can count on your mom. We count on our lady. We count on our mothers. You know, we, it is the, that unconditional love that you can, um, you know, that, that seems very godlike, if you will. And, and, and you see so many women who do suffer through life and sacrifice for their children. But have you ever, have you ever done a tug of war? You know, where you have like 20 people on each side, right? Sure. And, and everybody's straining as hard as they can. And, and you could have a five-year-old come to one of the ropes at the end and pull, and it'll, it's going it's to make a difference. Well, you know, sometimes we men, maybe more than sometimes, we're not pulling real hard. Mothers and wives and women are pulling hard all the time. We men can make the difference. Yes, we can. We men must make the difference. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's really what... Uh, what our church needs, what our society needs more than anything is for men to come to the realization that the solution, if you will, the difference is men, men stepping up and, and assuming the role of responsibility and accountability that, that, that the women who we are called to, to protect, to protect are counting on us. Right. And we need to do it. And we're failing at it right now. We are. You know, there is a, uh, have you heard of an author, Meg Meeker? She's a pediatrician from my, somewhere out in I, Idaho. She's a, she's a very numbers kind of a person. And she wrote a book called Strong, uh, Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. And from an empirical, statistical standpoint, she said one of the greatest leading indicators of a girl's e uh, educational success good choices in boyfriends and relationships, successful, success in marriage, et cetera. He, she just went on and on and on, put numbers all to it, was largely dependent upon the relationship she had with her father. Now, that sounds like it's a little overblown, but she no, looked at it from true. a statistical standpoint. And you think about it. Look, you know, women are solid. Women are always there. Where's the yes. difference? Where's the tilting point? Where's that last straw? It's the father. And it is absolutely critical and important. We men may not be the hardest uh, working people in terms of being successful parents and husbands, et cetera, but we are crucial. We're yes. absolutely crucial. Yes, we're crucial. And I think we're, we're also at a stage where unfortunately, a large number of men in the, in the adult world today don't really know what is expected of them. Hmm. They, they don't what really have a clear view. Well, it's a, it's a great question. It's as broad as it is long. What is expected of them is unique, I think, in every relationship, just as each individual is unique. But there are some core basics. Uh, in, in the Catholic family, what is expected of them is, you know, dad should be the quarterback, if you will, in driving where the, where the, the spiritual side of the family is going. Boy, do we fail in that. And that, by the way, is not to minimize mom. I, I, Absolutely. I told a group recently that... Um, for a long time in, in our family's faith life, it was dependent on mom to say, we, you know, let's pray the rosary now. It never occurred to me that I was allowed to say, 
hey, let's pray a rosary. It never occurred to me that I was allowed to show a devotion in any way, within, even within my own family, because all the examples I had around me were women leading the, the pack. And again, I, I love women. It's not, I'm not opposed to that, but there's something disjointed about it when it is always the women who are leading the pack and always the men who slump their shoulders or roll their eyes and say, okay, let's go pray. It's kind of like you've been taken away from, from your toy that you, you were going to play with. So I think that some of those responsibilities are very core basic and, and I'm sure many, many people listening right now are rolling their eyes at me saying, come on, everybody knows that's, that we, we should be doing that. Not really true. But it goes beyond that, too. It's having that interest in your children. It's having an interest in your wife. It's bringing things to them of beauty. Uh, you know, I traveled like you, Peter. And so often I would come home and, and either bring a pamphlet from a cathedral that I visited or talk to them about something that I saw that was relative to the faith, that I was able to share my world with my family, even though they couldn't be with me. Yeah. I had a, I have a, I had a friend. I, was a, I think I was better friends with this guy's father than I was with him, and, uh, but he passed away. And I remember it was he or his brother gave a eulogy, and he said that his dad, and he had brothers and sisters, he says, my, our dad was my sister's first love. And all the boys, hero. When you think about a man who's a hero, what do you think about? You think I, I remember this once. Larusa was the was the manager. It was a it was a crucial time in the game. I think it was Ken Griffey, and he had a, he had a bad leg or whatever. He go walks up and he hits a home run, and he couldn't hardly even walk. Right? Or or you think about the fireman who's running into the building, right? Literally putting his life and limb on the line to to get out somebody. Right? You think of a you think of a, 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 you know, in olden times, the knight on a knee, right, defending, sure. right. So, I think what we, what society has done, is they have distorted the definition of love, right? Yes. Love is not as much a feeling as it is an action. It's it's an event. It's an event. It's self-donative. It is self-giving. Yes. It's self less, right? And whenever you think of heroes, they that's what they're doing. Yes. They are giving of themselves. How much? How much are they giving of themselves? Really, the ultimate. Everything. Everything. Everything right? that they have. That's what we're called to do. Yes. That's what we're called to do. You know, here, here's a basic one. Uh, very simple. This is heroism, uh, but not in, in the movie quality. Heroism is when a dad has an opportunity to go and, and sit in the best seats at Bush Stadium to watch the game with his buddies from work. And on that same night, his daughter wants to go to a, a, an event where the, the, the central character is going to be a doll that she's been reading the books from this series, and it is the most important thing of their, her life. A hero goes to that with his wife and daughter and children. That's the heroic thing to do, to say to the buddies, I know these are once-in-a-lifetime seats. I could never have that opportunity again, but my daughter is part of that group that's second. There you I'm go. Third. There you go. And I'm going to tell you what we are not thinking about. When we do that for our daughters, it lasts. It stays with them. And then they come to expect that, demand that from the men that they associate Absolutely. with. They look for men who are good and giving and self-donative. By doing that as the father, 
We think we're sacrificing for ourselves. What we're doing is we are praying for our daughters, spouses. Well, that's the music. We'll be back in about two minutes. You tell your friends to join us. We're talking about men. Hi, this is Matt Logeman with St. Joseph Radio with a great gift idea. A St. Benedict bracelet, a trendy accessory for men, women, and children that not only looks good on everyone's wrist, but is actually armor for the spiritual battlefield. This unique bracelet is handmade in Europe and contains 10 medals within the braided cord in the adult size and 7 medals in the children's size. On the front of each beautiful medal is St. Benedict holding a cross in his right hand, the object of his devotion. On the back of each medal is a cross. Surrounding the back of the medal and cross are the letters V. E-R-S-N-M-V-S-M-Q-L-I-V-B. In Latin reference, which translates, Be gone, Satan. Never tempt me with your vanities. What you offer me is evil. Drink the poison yourself. And finally, located at the top is the word Pax, which means peace. All bracelets come packaged with an informational card and the St. Benedict blessing, which your local priest can administer. This gift is for everyone you love and care about, including yourself. Available from St. Joseph Radio. Check the website at www.saintjosephradio.net. St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the Pro-Life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. Well, and we're back. Uh, this is St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. I'm your host, Peter Karutz. We're on l- the radio, obviously, live with Mark Serafino. Mark, thank you for being here. I have, I have to pause for a second. I have a couple of announcements. Uh, Mark, as I mentioned, was uh, the Catholic Man of the Year for St. Francis de Sales Oratory. But we are about to have the... Catholic Woman of the Year. So look, if, uh, if you know a good woman who deserves this nomination, please call us at 636-447-6000. I'll repeat that. Uh, you could also go to net and get uh, an application, but call us. We'd be great to hear from you. Look, you're going to find someone who you want to nominate, and the first thing out of her mouth is going to be, I don't want to do that. It's not for me. I... That's the, that's the sign that you found the right person. Look, we're doing this because we need good examples. Why do we have saints? We have saints because they're good examples. That's why we honor their lives. That's why we honor these folks. So please, call us at 636-447-6000. And then uh, another little public service announcement, if you will. Tomorrow is Mother's Day. So please, remember your moms and remember your wives and as a husband, Think about the best thing you can do for your children on Mother's Day. Men, love your wives, right? As, as it says in Ephesians, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Best thing a child can say is, I remember my dad hugging my mom. I remember my 
dad, you know, kissing my mom, you know. And, and today my, my daughters would say, yuck, but you know what? It'll be a good thing. Best thing you can do is show them how much they mean to you. Positively. 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 And on that, I was, um, several years ago, I was asked to speak at a wedding ah. and offer a few words. And one of the things I said to the bride and groom were that it's very common, especially on your, your wedding day and days leading up to and shortly afterwards, for people to tell you that marriage is a challenge. And that gives such a negative connotation, a challenge. And there's challenges all throughout life. But it occurred to me as I was preparing for that day that I think what we're really trying to say is that marriage is an opportunity. And it's an opportunity to help each other get to heaven. And that is a challenge. It's the reason we're on, we've been put on earth is to get to heaven. And it's not easy. So part of that challenge you must accept for each other is to help each other get to heaven which is another one of the responsibilities of men that I think we fall short with, yeah. recognizing that that's a part of our duty, is to help our wives and children get to heaven. Absolutely. And just because it's hard, that means it's worthwhile. I remember game six of a World Series that we thought we were going to lose. It was worth it. it yes. If it's hard, it's even more worthwhile. Exactly. Exactly. So in that sense, uh, what do we do? Ah. You know, we're at this point now where I... As I've said, it looks like manhood is, is suffering. And I've been trying to think as, as an old guy who's uh, on, on the tail end, I, I'm retired, I don't work, what can I do? How do mm. I help? Yeah. And um, my efforts, uh, by the way, I would say are, are insignificant, but I do think that there is some, some uh, realism that can be applied in this sense. We're not gonna overcome this with a magic pill. We're not going to be able to restore manhood by simply waving a magic wand and it's restored. Something actively has to happen. And I think what has to happen is we, men, have got to give back. So for older men who maybe grew up under different circumstances, the divorce rate not being what it was, we grew up in what I'll call whole homes, mom and dad both present every day. I think one of the things we can do is get involved. Get involved in your church, get involved in your community and find ways that you can in interact with young people. And it doesn't have to be specifically with young men. Interact with young people. One of the great joys that I've had in my retirement for the past two years, I have been teaching one day a week at the St. Francis de Sales Homeschool Co-op. And I teach the name of the class is public speaking, which is a little bit of a, a poor advertisement because it implies that the kids come and learn to give a speech and the, the day is over. But we, we've taken it a step further. We, we learn how to write a speech, how to deliver a speech, how to evaluate a speech. And then I've been so blessed to be able to bring in professionals from my industrial past to come and teach real-life experience. So I have the uh, director of human resources from my former company come, and she spends a day talking to the class, to the class about how do I interview for a job? How do I read a want ad? and be able to recognize that I have the qualities that that job needs. We walk through those things. How do I dress for an interview? How do I prepare? And then we do mock interviews with the children. And they're being interviewed by the director of a billion-dollar company's yeah, HR department. Right. Yeah, how about that? We, we brought in a, uh, someone local from, from Students for Life of America who came in and talked about the challenges of defending life in a hostile environment. How do I communicate? And Peter, you mentioned earlier, finding that 
common ground. And that was so much a part of her message is finding the common ground and building from there. Because no matter what we think, um, artificial intelligence is that. It's artificial. We're in the human business, and we're going to connect person to person, human to human, and little by little, brick by brick, we can bring manhood back to a stature where it belongs so that we then can fulfill our duty. But if, if we're not walking slowly and just building basic, basic fundamentals and talking to men about the challenges that we faced, older men like me, what are the challenges that I faced? What are the mistakes I made? Those are the important things to be talking about, not our triumphs. Our triumphs are meaningless. The young men, men of all ages, face challenges where failure is a possibility. We need to be sharing with them, what did we do? How would we have done it differently? Yeah, and practice. You know, uh, in the Catholic school system, uh, there's a program called Bellarmine, uh, after St. Bellarmine. And it's, a, it's, a, it's not exactly what you're saying. It's kind of public speaking speeches. You're delivering pre- I don't want to canned, but previously, um, spe- uh, previously promulgated written. speeches, right, yes. written speeches, and they could do what's whatever. But especially today, young people are not great talkers. No. They're texters, right? Yes. And to that's a, this is great advice to get into that early on, gets that comfort, right? I, one of the seminars I give to attorneys is a mock deposition of a financial expert. Oh, wow. You know, so you're, first off, you're talking to lawyers about finance, which is verboten anyway. But then, then you go, so think about this. Lawyers, educated, you know, jurist doctorates. Yes. And we give them an opportunity to practice deposing somebody. You, you would think, well, this must become naturally. No. This is something that you need to practice. Anything you do, you need to practice. What did, yes. I remember there was an interview with Larry Bird and this, this, uh, this interviewer was uh, thought he had it figured out, and he said, "You know, Larry, you know, you, you you really don't jump very high, you know. And frankly, when you when you shoot the ball, you look like a duck. I mean, your form is kind of awkward. You know what I mean? And you know, Larry Bird was pretty tough, dude. Anyway, <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, Larry, you think you're just getting lucky when it goes in?" And uh, he says, I'm, I'm, at the, I'm at the gym an hour and a half before anybody else. I do 100, I do 100 free throws, 100 um, layups in either hand. I do 100 uh, jump shots from every position. He says, you know, I am lucky. The more I practice, the luckier I get. That's right. That's what you're telling people. You're saying to, to us older folks, help our younger people yes. practice. Give them a position or a place just stumble and fail because you're going to get better at it. Yes. Uh, you know, earlier in the fall, I brought in five adult individuals who I was associated with through, through my work life into our class, totally unannounced. I told the class in advance we were going to have special guests and that they were going to be networking with these people. And I wanted them to get past their name, their age, the grade, and their favorite subject. So I brought these adults into the class and I explained to the adults, I need you to network with these young people as though they're your peers, as though they're adults. Find something out about them. And it was actually at the end of the year this year, I asked the class, what was your favorite class? And they told me it was that day. So I had five adults come from varying ranges, owners of businesses, managers of businesses, and they interacted with this class. And it was so delightful to watch. And, And we ended the class the last 15 minutes with 
me asking each side. I asked the adults, okay, which one of the students here is a ballet dancer? And you know, I knew I knew little bits about each person. I asked the students, which one of the the people here has a a, a cousin who's in the NBA Hall of Fame? And you know, oh, wow! And they raised their hand. You know, really? Yes. So it was really interesting that uh, th- to see them embrace getting to know people who they'd never met before. Oh, wow! It's not that they don't want to do it; they don't know how to do it, and that's where we as adults. So you don't have to have a formal class. Most churches have a social after after mass, or many of them do, yeah, a yeah, coffee yeah. social. When you're in the social, say hello to one of the young people. Talk to them. Get to know them. That influence enough starts a ball rolling that can take us to places that really can bring us to a much stronger position, especially, especially men. If you're taking an interest in talking to them... It's saying it's showing men being involved, and you're you're a man who's maybe they'll ask you for advice. Maybe they'll ask you, "Hey, I have this job opportunity." You know, one of the things that really struck me was not long ago I had, I was talking to my oldest brother on the phone, and he mentioned an uncle of ours who's been deceased now for forty years. Hmm. And I asked him, "By the way, what did he do for a living?" Imagine forty years after he's gone. Oh, wow. And my brother said, oh, he was the plant manager for a flooring company in New Jersey. I had an uncle who had a major position, responsibilities, a wealth of, of knowledge. And I didn't even know who he was or what he did other than he was Uncle John. So if we're able to tap into that and grow because of our relationships, I think it changes it changes the scope of things. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. So just, we always like to have a, a, a takeaway. And some of the takeaways I'm getting, I'm writing notes as we go through. You're, you're saying we should, as men, we should be very happy and encouraged to share, share our faith, share our talents. Um, I'll touch on faith a little bit more. Yes. You, you, uh, we, we as men really uh, sh- should not be fearful of sharing are faithful. I, 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 you know, and I don't want to be too disingenuous about this. I, for most of my life, it was kind of like me and God, right? I, I went to mass a lot. Sometimes I went every day, uh, but it, it wasn't something I thought I needed to share with other people. And I, I would think, you know, how, how, how am I doing? Is God and me, are we okay, right? But I remember one day I heard that gospel where um, our Lord said, if you're embarrassed of me before men, I will be embarrassed of you before the Father. And it hit me like a ton of bricks, like that, you know, that ice bucket challenge, a big bucket of water. And I thought to myself, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to be quiet or silent because I am embarrassed. And, and once you take that step, it's easier the second time you take that step. And I'll, and I'll tell you from a practical experience, and there's been a, two maybe bad experiences that happened, at, but hundreds of good ones. Yes. And I'll say this, every time before then when I kept quiet, I didn't say something, I, you know, somebody is having a bad time, and I, I didn't say, I'll pray for you, or let's pray right now. I didn't say that. I didn't do this. I didn't. Do, I regret it. I felt bad. I regret it. And if I did move forward, if I shared my faith in a personal fashion, I always feel like I've done the right thing. I don't know what'll happen with it. I didn't, you know, you don't know what the ultimate outcome is, but I know I did what God wanted me to do. So men, share your faith. How can we share our faith? 
Well, I'll tell you a story about a, a man who uh, his his son was a dear friend of ours. Uh, they're both deceased now, but the, the the man was a businessman, and he was at a, a dinner with his counterparts, and the conversation at the table was less than pure and less than virtuous. And as this man sat there and and heard what was going on, he was. I'll say desperately trying to think, how do I stop this and bring it to a good point? And at at the perfect moment, he interrupted them and said, gentlemen, if our Lord Jesus Christ could be visible sitting at the table with us right now, is this the conversation we would be having? And it completely ended the discussion. That's a bold thing to say. It takes, that's heroism. It takes a hero to say that. Do I suggest that every man say that at every conversation? I don't know. I think you have to be maybe. led by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, maybe. But maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's man saying, men saying, this simply isn't right. And it's not not right because it disagrees with my political opinions or who whose blog I like to read. It's wrong because God says it's wrong. Yeah. And because of that, because he's first, I have to. I have to say something. I have to do something. Sometimes doing something is walking away, too. Yeah. And how many men do you know who, well, let me put it differently, how many, how many men in that circumstance, suppose they're Googling a woman, how many men are uncomfortable with that, who want to say something but don't? Be the one who does, and you're affirming all of those other ones. You know, all the ones who would have said something or wanted to say something. You are encouraging those who might stop and pause and say, maybe I shouldn't. Right. And you're challenging those and ticking off the people who are angry at you. All of those are good things. Yeah. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. I'm your host, Peter Krutz, and we are here with Mark Serafino. And we're talking about the duty of manhood. <clears throat> So another, another idea that uh, actually a friend of mine at St. Francis de Sales and I are, are starting to think about how we could go about doing this. Um, he's not quite as old as, as I, but he's, he's advanced in years, lots of experience, especially in his case, a lot of experience as a leader. And uh, we're, we're starting to form what we're calling the Ask the Old Guy group. <laughs> okay. I, so, do you qualify for that? I think I qualify. All right. And what we promise is that we don't have perfect answers because we are far from perfect men. We are very imperfect. But we have years of experience. And through that experience, even in bad decisions, God willing, have built some sense of wisdom uh, so that we can avoid repeating mistakes, especially those that are spiritual. But uh, we're, not a, we're not spiritual advisors. We're just men who have raised families, faced financial concerns, faced career concerns, and even more so uh, the dynamic of raising children and the relationship between mother and child, father and child, where does dad fit, when does dad step in, what are the experiences that we've had. And I'm, I'm going to say again, disclaimer, I don't know all the answers. But the reason we see a need for this is that what we see and hear from young men is they don't even often realize that there's a place where they should or shouldn't fit. I had a, a friend at our parish say to me one day that he's, he's younger, uh, new dad. He said, many of us dress like the men we want to be. Oh. 
but That's we don't know who that man is or how to be that. Uh-huh. So I would say that certainly my friend and I are not the man that someone should want to be. But again, our experiences may be helpful to help them find who they want to be. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So let, let's talk about some practical things that people could do. Sure. Uh, and, and I'll talk about some regrets. I, I've been in a men's group, which I didn't go to this morning. I'm missing it. But we've been meeting at 6.30 every morning for 14 or 15 years. And how do you convince a man to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday when you don't have to? Well, they must something good must be going on, right? You have other good men working with for the benefit of each other to be better men. Sometimes we need that affirmation. Men often get together and half the time it's to do something bad instead of something good. But if you have that, frankly, it's addictive. It really is. It's something you need and want and miss if you don't go. Well, it's because I find it's something that is mutually beneficial and it's challenging. It's something that when you walk away, you... you, the best opportunities for me have been when I walk away and think, am I willing to do that Yeah. for my own betterment? Am I really willing to do that? Or this week, am I going to pretend that conversation or that part of the conversation never happened? And that challenge is what's really good for a man. And I, I think in a nutshell, challenge a man to think and to aspire and good things will come. And that goes way back to the beginning of our conversation Going back to societal depictions of men, they're not challenged to do anything. Right. So maybe as, as, a, as a takeaway, I would say is that what we have to do is start to seek the challenge, share those challenges, and find ways to, to mutually uh, share with each other how we can go about being better at what we do. And I think the way to do it is, you know, if you could have an idea where there is a men's group that meets – uh, periodically, and, and by the way, this is going to really get everybody upset. I think those men's groups have to meet without alcohol, and they have to meet. Well, Saturday morning, it's coffee's tough to, good. Yeah, coffee's, they have to coffee's meet. good. <laughs> but but if you're thinking of doing it, because those things distract. I, sure, you're I love, absolutely. I right. love good alcohol, but yeah. those things become a distraction, and they become the attraction. Yeah. And I think you want to be in an environment where it's serious. So morning coffee is a is a great plan. Uh, meeting for lunch with one or two peers is yeah. a great plan. And I think you can help each other and challenge each other and share like, man, I have this problem at home right now, you know, with with a a repair and we don't have the money. What do we do? Yeah. All all kinds of stuff. You know, one of the things that my wife used to be annoyed with me about, you know, it's only taken me about, you know, 31 years to figure some of these things out. But she would ask, where shall we go? What shall we do? And I'm already in bad trouble when that comes because what I should have done is suggest something, right? Way, rather right. than letting her encourage me to come up with something, and then I say, I don't know, I don't care. Suggest something. So let me make a suggestion. How about being uh, intentional about associating with other good Catholic couples? Positively. So say to the wife, you know, honey, I think I want to start hanging around other good Catholic couples. How are we going to do this? Well, we can talk about how to do that. But again, being intentional. We all have friends. We all hang around yes. people. But if we're doing it with a different intention, we're going to have a different result. And candidly, I think it'll be very attractive 
to our wives. Positively. They want us to lead, right? Yes. And since we're men, we know how to be said no to. Uh, yeah, Peter, that's an awful idea. Okay, let me give you another awful idea. Right. But let's be leaders in our family with regard to faith. So yes. maybe seek out other good Catholic couples in an, in an intentional fashion. I completely agree. And I would suggest that within that group, that it not be limited to just the couples that you know in your parish. There you go. I think to be able to, um, to get to know people from other parts of our Catholic community. So how do you do that? Well, you go to events. You go to the Catholic Woman of the Year. You there you meet go. meet people there. Meet people from a variety of different places. Uh, we are all in different places spiritually. And when you meet a couple who... Uh, you know, their their incl- inclination is in one direction, and you're unaware of it. You don't know anything about this. You know, perhaps it's a Marian apparition. Oh, I, I don't know anything about it. Next thing you know, you're finding something deeper and richer in your Absolutely. faith. And maybe it's a baseball game. You know, yes. uh, Bishop uh, Barron said, make your Catholic faith part of your daily casual conversation. Yes. Teresa and I, my wife and I, we were at the baseball game, huge rain delay. It's pouring rain. We came inside. Everybody's inside. We, we got some food. We're trying to find a place to sit. Couldn't find a place to sit. When there's two chairs at this table. We pop them down and some other people got up and other people sat down. We're taking these spots. And as my tray is about to hit the table, my wife said, are you going to pray? You're, you're not going to pray in the middle of the ballpark with a thousand people here. I said, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy And I made the sign of the cross. I didn't know a soul there. We were crowded in there like sardines. We had people sitting at our table. We had people standing around. Everyone around us stopped what they were doing. They made the sign of the cross, and we all said grace. It's part of our casual, ordinary life. And as a result, we all talked about our parishes, and we talked about our children and our families and the Catholic schools that people went to. Make it part of your casual life. So, Mark, you said we need to, as men, we need to share our faith and be and be casual and customary about it. You said that we need to share our talents, especially with other young men. We train young men when they're young, yes, <laughs> not yes. when we're old. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly. All right. Well, Mark, I can't tell you how fast this hour went by. Would you come again? Sure. Oh, good. Good. So, please remember the Catholic Woman of the Year. Call us at six three six. Uh, 447-6000, and get an application. Go and tell a friend about this program. And please, men, take Mark's advice. Be good men. Make God the first priority. Somebody else is second. We're third. Come back and see us next week. Like I said, tell a friend. And listening to St. Joseph Radio presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S A I N T, josephradio.net. Or call us.
us, 636-447-6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ to everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents. Thank you.